So this is our 15th shir of Tanakh and Yana Diyayma. And today we're going to discuss the tragic story of Gehazi. Gehazi was the servant <coughs> of, uh, of Elisha. And it's actually this past week's Haftarah. This is a large part of the story, of his story. Not the whole story, but a large part of it. Um, and the rest of his story is in um, the Haftarah of Parshas, I believe, Mitzayra. Um, <clears throat> the story of Gehazi is not a story that's well understood because on one hand he was Elisha's servant and when it says in Tanakh Na'ar Elisha that he was the servant of Elisha what that really means was that he was his prime disciple, he was his prime Talmud. Elisha was the Na'ar of Elio and he eventually succeeded him and he became the, the, the Navi of the generation and Gehazi was essentially if he was the one who was quoted in Tanakh as the servant of Elisha he was primed to be that as well. He was going to be the one who would eventually succeed Elisha. He was therefore, by definition, a tremendous tzaddik, uh, someone that was being on the, was on the road to becoming a Navi. Um, yet, uh, Gehazi ends up with this ignominious end, <clears throat> turns into a Mitzayur, is re- reduced to the lowest possible echelon in Kali Yisrael that there can be. So the question is, what happened? What could have possibly happened over here? Was Gehazi always a bad apple? You know, or just Elisha didn't realize? It seems hard to believe that that's possible. Uh, besides that Elisha was a Navi, and a Navi with Ruach HaKadosh could see through almost everything. But in addition, in addition, um, uh, Elisha was also a Gadol Hadar. He was a tremendous Hamafafam. He had tremendous wisdom. And if anybody could you know, truly understand people and, and gauge them, that would be Elisha. So how, it's hard, so it's impossible to believe that a Gehazi started off bad. He clearly was a tzaddik. And the Yerushalmi says he was a Gibra B'tayra, he was a great man in Tayra as well. So something happened, and that's what we're going to try to figure out today. We're going to try to get to the bottom of what happened, how did it happen, and what was the, the whole process of Gehazi's downfall. <clears throat> how he lost his level and how, how he went astray. And what's interesting is you find in Chazal that once they, once that does happen, once the change happens that Gehazi is now bad, they interpret everything involving Gehazi as bad. And this is a, this is a mahalach that you find in Chazal a lot, that once someone is identified as a Russia, then every reference to him is, which can essentially be interpreted any, any way, is interpreted for bad. And it's, the Gemara talks about it in one place. So that's, that's a rule that we have in Kisvei HaKadosh. <clears throat> now, what we're also going to find... Yeah, go ahead. When you say Russia, you mean like legitimately like an evil person? Um, so that's a good question, actually, especially here, because you'll see um, when we're going to speak about some of the things that Gehazi did, they're going to seem at the outset as things that are very bad. Um, they are also, as many times as the case in Chazal, that they're being blown up out of proportion and really it just means according to his level, according to his madrega, this is the way it was considered, but he didn't really actually do that. So we'll see. But we're going to actually read it just pretty much the way the Torah says it, the way the, 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 it says in Malachim. Um, <clears throat> we're also going to see that uh, interesting thing is that Elisha didn't give up on Gehazi, and he did try to bring him back into the fold, but he failed. And there's going to be a discussion in Chazal about that as well. Why did he fail? Why wasn't he able to bring him back? And that's going to be actually a very, very important lesson 
on how we need to relate to our Talmidim and our children when we want to give rebuke. So let's, let's follow his story through Chazal and then uh, see how, through Ebenezer and then we'll see how Chazal understands it. So the first, uh, what we have here is the beginning of this Haftarah. The, <clears throat> the Haftarah begins with Isha Shunamis, that she was a very holy woman who hosted Elisha. And uh, she then decided to build him a separate room in her house, which uh, the Gemara explains she either divided her house in, ha- in half uh, like width-wise, or she made a second level, a second story on her house, but she gave up half her house for the sake of Alicia, that when he comes, he should have a private room. And Alicia was very grateful. So, <clears throat> so he told his, his, his servant, this is the first time Gechazi is mentioned in Tanakh, call this woman, the Shunamis, and he called her, and she stood in front of Alicia. And he told Gechazi to tell her, so Alicia didn't speak to her directly. Um, he said, he told Gechazi, tell her, you've, done, so you've, you've worked so hard to uh, make this, this uh, comfortable for us. What can we do for you? Do you want me to speak to the king on your behalf? And this might mean literally, because Alicia was a Navi, he had connections with the king. Or to the general. Um, and she said, no, I am amongst my nation, I'm, I am okay the way I am. Chazal interpret this to mean that he said, I'll speak to HaKadosh Baruch on your behalf, and she said, you know what, I don't want to attract attention to myself. I'm better off if I'm equal to everybody else, and you know, when you attract attention, you're also uh, brought up for judgment. So he said to Gechazi, Elisha asked Gechazi, so what should I do for her? So Gechazi said, she doesn't have any children. Isha Zakin and her husband is old. Now, here's interesting is that Gechazi seemed to know that, and Alicia did not. Right? If Alicia would have known that, that would have been an obvious one, right? So Gechazi knew it, and Alicia didn't. Why was that? We'll see. Vayemer, Krala, so he said, call her. Vayikrala, so Gechazi called her, Vatamid Vapasach, and again she stood in the door. Vayemer, and he said to her, this time he spoke to her directly, Lamoyed Hazek Eishaya, in a year from now, exactly this time, at Chevekas Vein, you'll be holding a son. Vatamer, and she said, Al Adoini, Ishalakim, please, my master, the Navi, Al Techazib Bishif Chosecha, don't fool. Your, uh, your maidservant, which means, she was saying, Rashi explains, that don't like, promise me a pregnancy and then it'll be a miscarriage. Don't promise me a child and it'll be a stillborn. Don't promise me a child and the baby won't, won't survive. So <clears throat> she understood, I guess, what her limitations were, and this is what she was asking Alicia, and Alicia promised her a child. So the story continues that um, the child was born and a couple of years pass, and the child goes out into the field, something's wrong with his head, Someone brings him back, and he ends up dying on his mother's lap that day. Also, in the, this is still part of the Haftar. So she makes up her mind. She's going to go to Elisha, and she decides that she's going to do it clandestinely. She, is, uh, she doesn't tell her husband. She doesn't tell her husband that he died. She tells her husband, I'm going to Elisha, and he asks her, why are you going to Elisha? It's not like the typical time you would visit him. She says, don't worry, everything is okay, which is interesting. She wants to keep it a secret. So she goes and she travels to get to the to the Navi Al Hara Carmel. He was residing on Hara Carmel at the time. When the, the Navi saw her, um, he said to Gechazi his servant, Look, the Shunamis is coming. 
at a rutznol across a run and, uh, and, and, and greet her, the Amarla and tell her, Hashalom Lach, are you okay? Hashalom Liyashech, is your husband okay? Hashalom Liyeled, and is your child okay? Vatoymer Shalom. And she said, Shalom, she didn't want to tell Gechazi what was going on. And they were going to see there was a very good reason for that. She had, she had a good reason why she didn't want to share with Gechazi. She didn't want to tell Gechazi anything. Vatavayel Ishaal Ekim, and she came to the Ishaal Ekim, El Hahar to the mountain, so she fell onto the floor and she grabbed onto his feet. So Gechazi went to push her away. And the Navi said, no, leave her, uh, release her, actually would be the correct translation of Harpila, release her. She is very bitter. And Hashem hid from me what this is. In other words, typically a Navi knew everything what was going on, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu would fill him in on what was going on in the world. Um, and here, in this case, he says, Hashem hid this from me, and he didn't tell me what is going on with her. So she says, Didn't I ask for a son? Did I ask for a son from my, from my master? And as you offered it. And I said, don't fool me, don't, don't, don't trick me, don't cause me to make a mistake. And here I, have, I got a son, and he died. So he told Gechazi, get ready to go, and take my staff, and go. And if you meet someone, don't greet him, don't say Shalom Aleichem. And if someone says Shalom Aleichem to you, don't say Aleichem Shalom, don't answer him. And put my staff on the face of the child. Um, and the mother, the Shunama said, She swore that I'm not going to leave you. And what this means actually is, I'm not going with Gechazi. I'm sticking with you, Elisha. Which means she did not trust that Gechazi would be able to carry out this task. And he wasn't successful. So now let's see what Chazal explained some depth in what's going on over here. And it gets. Quite strange. <clears throat> Chazal say that when um, the Shunamis originally approached her husband and said that she wants to build a separate room for Elisha, she said that I see that Elisha is Ish Kaddish Hu. He's a holy man. And Chazal say, what did she see? And this is one of the sources that Chazal say that a woman is, has a greater ability to recognize the stature of her guests than her husband has. And Chazal say that she saw two things that she was able to see that he was holy, and one of them was that the flies just left the house when he went in. Okay, so they, 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 not, no pests were in the house when he was there. <coughs> but Chazal say, Ish Kaddish Hu, who is a mute, right? It's a, it takes away something. He says, Ish he's holy, but Mesharsai ain't a Kaddish. His, his servant, Gechazi, is not holy. Why was his servant not holy? So Chazal then quotes something that happened later. What, what happened later? The Pasik that we just mentioned, Vayigash Gechazi l'hadfa. Gechazi went to push her away. Now, Chazal have a problem. It says that she, he went to push her away. It sounds like he didn't push her away. And then it says, Navi told him, Harpela, let go of her. So it sounds like he actually had grabbed her. So Chazal make a very, very incriminating um, definition of the word lahadfa. Lahadfa really just means to push. 
but they translate it to mean lahatfa, uh, something which today would be considered uh, harassment and assault. That he pushed her in a very, very inappropriate place, pushed her in her chest. So, <clears throat> different, there's different versions of this drash, whether he grabbed her there or he actually pushed her there, but something which would be, you know, even thousands of years, thousands of years later, is considered wildly inappropriate. Now, there's no question that it was unintentional. He didn't mean to do that. And most likely what happened was is that she was, you know, she was grabbing onto Alicia's legs. It was that he felt that that was not a covenant Tyra and he wanted to move her away. And she, maybe she turned at the last moment and he ended up pushing her in that inappropriate place. But Chazal, don't cut him any slack on this. Because if someone is properly Zohir, if someone is properly careful, that, that just does, simply doesn't happen. If someone is the right, the right getter of Kedusha, that wouldn't happen. Now, Chazal quote this as a source that you see, Ish Kaddish, Elisha was holy, but he was not a holy person. Now, the Ian Yaakov is one of the Mepharshim on Ein Yaakov, which is a collection of the goddess of Chazal. He says, well, that happened later. So how do you, what does that mean? That How did she know already originally that there was something lacking in his Kedusha? So he says that what this means is, is that the root of that behavior already began when she met him for the first time because he was talking to her too much. And like the Mishnah says, And um, the concept is, again, we're talking about someone who's a Talmud of Elisha, who's, who's uh, training to be a Navi, so there's much, much higher expectations and, uh, and, and qualifications. And the assumption is that he would have a getter for himself. He would have a certain getter of appropriateness, and he overstepped those bounds in talking to her. And the li- likelihood is that that is why he was the one who knew that she didn't have a child, whereas Alicia didn't, because Alicia didn't talk to her unless absolutely necessary. Alicia had to get her, and Gehazi did not, and that's how he knew that information. And she identified him right then. She says he's he's got a little bit too far, and he lacks in kedusha. And then the the what what an, ended up from that from that lack of gather, as the Yaakov explains, it came to this that he pushed her in a very in a highly inappropriate way. <clears throat> But also included in this, and it really is at its root the same thing, is that the Ishalikim, the Nabi tells him, why are you pushing her? Clearly she's very bitter, very sad about something, and address what's going on. And it seems that Gechazi, in his panic, so to speak, to push her away, totally didn't think to care about what's, why is she doing this? Like why, what, you know, and, and, and on its face, when the Nabi tells him, Look at something clearly is terrible happened to her, which did, right? She just lost her son. Uh, it was almost cruelty that he was pushing her away in that way. And that is the root of what was wrong here. There was a, a lack in Gehazi of human respect. And that lack of respect ended up defining itself in different ways, both that he didn't seem to care about what was going on in her life, and both that he treated her highly inappropriately, and he pushed her in a way that ended up being very, very inappropriate. So they're both at the root, the same lack of respect, of empathy, of caring about another human being, of what was expected of him. The Navi right away said, Nafsha Marala, there's something very wrong with her, don't, don't, don't leave her alone. And, and Gehazi clearly did not feel that way. <clears throat> Now, at this point on, things go downhill. Ge- uh, Alicia sends Gehazi with his staff, 
and tells him to not greet anybody, not talk to anybody. And Chazal say he did the exact opposite. Every person he saw, he said, I'm going to revive a dead boy. My master sent me. And there's different versions of Chazal, but in Pirkei Belazar, it says that he actually was mocking Elisha. He said, my master thinks he can revive a dead boy with this staff. He was mocking him as he was walking. So this was already a whole new level of... of uh, of, of, uh, you know, of disrespect that now somehow came after this. And we'll see what, 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 what is the hishtalshalos, how does this happen? How does one follow the other? So therefore he was not successful. He puts the staff on the, ba- on the boy, the boy doesn't wake up, and he goes back to Alicia and he says, didn't work. Alicia says, it didn't work. You didn't follow my instructions. And then Alicia himself goes. And then it was only at that point that the Shunamis follows. The Shunamis already was aware from the beginning, there's no way this is going to work. She didn't want to share it with Gechazi. She had no faith in Gechazi. And um, <clears throat> because of her you know, ability to perceive what was going on, what the, the nature of Gechazi was, she understood he just wasn't on the level to be able to do something like that. Now, the next mention of Gehazi is in the story of Naaman. Of, uh, Naaman was a general of Aram, and he was, uh, he was a leaper. He was, he was um, a matera, he had leprosy. And he was told to go seek out Elisha and Navi, who would be able to cure him. So he goes to Elisha, whole long story, he goes to Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even go out to speak to him. He sends someone out to tell him to, he should go and bathe himself in the Yarden. And it's very interesting because the, the Pasik describes how Naaman is like very disappointed. He was expecting much more drama. He said, Pasik says, he says he was expecting Elisha to come out and raise his hands and call out to Hashem and to be like a thunderstrike. And, you know, and, he would, and here he just sends him and he says, you know, I could bathe myself anywhere. But his advisors tell him, listen, don't be a fool. You came this all this way and Elisha has a reputation. Just do it. And he does it. And sure enough, he's, he's uh, healed from his, his tarras. So he comes back to Elisha and he wants to... Uh, bring, give him some of the lavish gifts that he had brought. So he had tons and tons of things that he had wanted to give him as a gift from the king you know, who sent him, and Elisha refuses to take anything. And Rashi says the reason why Elisha refused to take anything is because there was Dumea by Dizara, there was value of Abay Dizara mixed in, meaning that either some of the things were taken from Abay Dizara as like they had been given to an Abay Dizara as a present, or things of Abay Dizara had been sold in order to buy this, so it was, it had the, the value of Abay Dizara was being used. So Elisha didn't want to have any part of it. So he leaves. So Naaman leaves. At this point, Gehazi comes in. Don't mention Gehazi till now, but now Gehazi comes in. So take a look at the next paragraph here. Gehazi Elisha, so third paragraph. So Gehazi Naralisha Sholakim says, Hine, Chosach Adaini es Naaman Harami Hazer. My master um, has prevented Naaman, this Naaman Harami, Mikachas Biyade, Sasha Hevi, to take from him what he brought. Chai Hashem, he swore in the name of Hashem, I'm going to run after him, I'm going to take something from him. Now, this sounds like, oh my gosh, like how could you let this guy get away with, that, with nothing? You know? <laughs> but uh, actually, Mepharshim explained that what was bothering Gechazi was the fact that he didn't want to take a gift, he understood. Of course, not going to take a gift. But he healed him. He's due doctor bills. You know, minimally he should get paid. Which is very interesting. Like, that was bothering him. He has to take something. So... So Gehazi chased after Naaman, Naaman and Naaman saw him running after him, so he went off his, his chariot, and he says it's all at well, and he says it's peace, my master Elisha sent me, so he's lying, this is a straight out lie, two men came now from Harafraim, and the students of the Nevi'im, 
Lahem kika kesef shtechalifus begadim. They need some silver and they need some clothing to provide for them. All a lie, a fabrication. None of this happened. Naaman said, you know, you want to take one, take two. Kachikarayim, you want to take one kika of kesef, take two. Rivers by... And he insisted, and then he wrapped it up. Now, Naaman didn't trust Gechazi. So that's why he didn't just give it to him and let him leave. It wasn't so much. He could have carried it himself. He sent two servants with him. And they make sure it gets to Alicia. <laughs> he, was, he was suspicious. He got to a certain place. At that point, he said, You know what? You came far enough. He took it from the servants. You can just leave it with me. And he put it in the house. And they left. That's the point he left whatever the house it was that he hid this stuff in. He came back to Elisha. And he came in front of Elisha. Where are you coming from? I didn't go anywhere special. Uh, so Elisha told him, Don't you realize that my heart went with you? Meaning to say, I was able to see that when the Naaman went off of his chariot, you think now is the right time to take the silver whatever it is you plan on buying with all these things? So therefore, the, the leprosy that Naaman was suffering, for, suffering from will instead be, will, will attach itself to you and your children, and immediately he became a, a Mitzayra, and he left in his presence a Mitzayra Kishag. So Gechazi became a Mitzayra. And later on, there's a story in Tanakh that begins of the Arab Mitzrayim Hayu. There was a whole long story that these four Mitzrayim were at the door of Shomron, and they were the ones that discovered a big miracle that saved the whole city. And Chazal say this was Gechazi and his three children. They were all Mitzrayim, and they therefore had to be outside the city. They had to be Mechuslamachana. They couldn't be within any walled city in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. So this was, the, this was the terrible end that befell him and as we see, things got worse and worse, and he was ready to lie, and to lie to, to Naaman, essentially steal, um, and then to lie to Elisha, think he could fool uh, Navi, and pull one over on him, and to which, uh, and therefore he then becomes a, uh, a Mitzayra. Now we find <clears throat> um, the, next, the next mention of Gechazi is interesting, because it kind of goes back a step. because The, the Pasuk a couple of parashiyas later, is talking about a story that happened a little previously, so there's another mention of Gechazi there. It was before he had become a Mitzayra. And this is where we start getting some insights as to what exactly went wrong, or how it started going wrong with, with Gechazi. <clears throat> so we're going to skip the one, uh, the, the one line here, and then we'll go to the next paragraph. The king of Yisrael was speaking to Gechazi, who was the servant of the Yisraelikim, <coughs> he said, Tell me some of the miracles that Elisha did. So he was telling him the story of how Elisha successfully revived, brought back to life the son of the Shunamis. And just then, that Shunamis was just coming to the king. She had been robbed, her house had been taken away, her, her field had been taken away. So she went to the king to, to demand justice. So she, just that moment she came. Uh, my master, the king, this is the woman, this is her child, Elisha, that Elisha brought back to life. Now he refers to Elisha, and he just calls him Elisha. He doesn't say Adani Elisha, he doesn't say Mary Rabbi, he just calls him Elisha. So look at the Gemara says, Gemara in Sanhedrin, 
Why was Gechazi punished? Because he called his Rebbe by his name. The Gemara says that's equal to Apikarsus, to, to have that kind of disrespect for your Rebbe. So this is the Gemara's interpretation why he eventually was totally destroyed. Like, why was he Nanash? Why did he not have no success at that point? was because he had that level of disrespect um, for Elisha. Now, go back. The, the, the Gemara then says <clears throat> that Elisha tried to bring Gehazi back. Pasik says that he's, he, um, he says he went to I'll story later. He went to Damascus. It means he left Eretz Yisrael, which is a very unusual thing for a Navi to do. So Chazal said the reason why he left Eretz Yisrael is because he was looking, searching for Gechazi. Gechazi had left Eretz Yisrael, and he wanted to bring him back. He wanted to convince him to do tshuva. And the Gemara says that Gechazi said, I can't do tshuva. I'm, I'm a Sarabim. I sinned, and I caused others to sin, and it's just too late for me. You taught me that anybody who's chayti machtes Sarabim is hopeless. And the Gemara says, well, how was he chayti machtes arabim? How was it that he caused others to sin? So there's two pshatim that he actually caused other people to, to serve of Edizara. That's two pshatim in, in the Gemara. But the third pshat is the next pasik immediately after Gechazi is sent away. To go back here to the one line here, Melachim Beis Vlav. The Chalmidim of the Nevi'im said, The place that we're sitting in front of you, the building, is too crowded. There's no room for us anymore. So Chazal explained that while Gechazi was serving Elisha, he would stop people from coming. He would prevent people from coming and learning by Elisha. And as soon as he left, it became crowded. Everybody was able to come and they complained, there's no room for us anymore. How did he stop people from coming to Elisha? He didn't just lock the door. So from Farshim explained, what he did was, is he sat outside. That's all. He just sat outside, which means he skipped sheer. He skipped the shir that Elisha was here. And people would come and they would see him sitting outside. And it was clear, he was demoralizing people. He said, okay, well, if Gechazi, the, the top Talmud of Elisha, is not interested in Elisha's shir, it looks like it's not so good, it's not so interesting. And people therefore didn't come. So it wasn't just that he locked people out. He made a tremendous chil Hashem. He, he ruined Elisha's name in the eyes of the Tambidim, both the fact that he himself, you know, cast dispersion on Elisha, and also prevented people from learning Tyra. And in that way, he was a chayte, and he was a machti, and he was sure that that's it. It's over for him. And there's no chance of him doing tshuva. <clears throat> yeah. It sounds like chote and that if they do tshuva and they help bring back the people that they caused to go astray, is there room for them to... It seems that Elisha held that he could have done tshuva. It was just he, fa- he failed to convince Gehazi of the fact. But yes, he, he could have done tshuva. He could have, he could have done, made up for the, the, the fact that he caused people to go astray by probably causing people, bringing more people back to the fold. He could have done things. And we'll see soon why it is that Elisha failed. The Gemara talks about that. And Chazal say that the end product of this is that Gehazi lost his chelik in Elam Habaf. So he was totally one of the three people that Chazal say is that were finished. Now, to understand how all these things play into another, right? So we start with him talking to the Isha Shunamis, seemingly talking a little bit too much, 
then coming to the point where he pushes her in a very, very inappropriate fashion. And then he steals and lies to the Navi, and in the process he was mocking the Navi, and then he discredited him, he called him by name, he lost his total respect for Elisha, and so much so that he prevented people from learning from him because he, he was, you know, had so, so little respect for Elisha. So it's a fascinating story. Fascinating story with Simcha Bunim and Pshischa. is called the Rebbe of Simcha Bunim. He was one of the big uh, rabbis. He was a Talmud of the Yid HaKadosh, the Chayzim Malaplin, a few generations right after the Baal Shem Tov. And uh, he also is credited with starting a whole new track, so to speak, in Hasidus. It's an interesting uh, topic for itself. A different way of approaching Hasidus, uh, giving more power to the, the Talmudim than to the Rebbe. But in any case, he was a very, very big rabbi, a very famous rabbi. So there was a misnagid, so that was one of the people that opposed Hasidim, that was a big Talmud Chacham, and it was a young man, and he decided he wants to become close to the Rebbe, he, was, he wanted to abandon his ways of misnagdus and become a Chassid. So he approached the Talmidim of the, of the Rav Simcha Bonim and he said, can I learn with you? And they started talking to him, and they saw he was a big Talmud Chacham, and they were very encouraged, they were very excited for him to join them, and they asked permission from the, the Rebbe uh, Rav if he could come and join the Shir. So Rebbe met him, and he said, yes, you can come join my Shir. So amongst literature, as we know, when a Rosh Hashiva or Rebbe gives a Shir, the Talmidim ask questions, they hack, uh, they interrupt, and they can argue, and they can debate, and they can debate amongst themselves. That's the, you know, that's the, the, stand, that's the way the, 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 the standard of the shir goes. Whereas by the Hasidim, the Rebbe Ravunim, when he would give a shir, he would clothe a lot of secrets of the Torah in the shir that he was giving. So they understood that there's a lot to be learned here, so they would, they would not interrupt. They would listen to the whole shir, and then they would examine it afterwards and be able to see what, you know, what, what was coming out of it. So he comes to the shir the first time, everybody's quiet, Rebbe Bunim's giving his shir, and he goes and he interrupts with a question. So Rebbe Bunim was very upset, and he walked into his room and he stopped giving the shir. So it made him a little surprised. So they thought after a few minutes he'll come back out, he's just not used to being interrupted, he wasn't coming back out, the shir stopped. So eventually they upset yeah, at this guy, they told him, he said, look, I didn't know, you know, by me that's the way they do it, that's what I was used to, he asked questions. And uh, they, told, they told him you can't do that, so they went into the Rebbe Bunim and they said, you know, we explained it to him, he won't do it again, but everyone said, no, I can't give a shir when he's there. So they said, why? So he explained to them, and he explained to them the story of Gechazi. He said, look at what Gechazi did. He did two things. One is he pushed this woman inappropriately, and the other is that he took, he took money from Naaman. And he said, if you think about it, Gechazi was probably a destitute, extraordinarily poor person. There's no way he had any kind of money. And uh, he took money from a guy, okay, you know, it's not supposed to do that, but it's not the end of the world. Whereas pushing a woman inappropriately in the presence of a Navi, that's a, tar- a horrible thing to do. That, was, that's, that's, that seems to be unconscionable. So why is it that Elisha only kicked him out, cursed him, and de- decreed that he's totally outside of, of, of Jewish life only when he went and stole from Naaman, whereas when he did that first act, no reaction at all from Elisha. How could Elisha just overlook that? So he said, Elisha, being a Navi, understood that when Gechazi did that and he pushed to the Shlamis, he felt terrible. Gechazi felt terrible. Gechazi immediately was repentant. He was very embarrassed that he was in the presence of Elisha, the God of Hadar, the Navi, and he did something like this, he did something so inappropriate, and he was full with remorse, and he was sure he was going to get rebuked by Elisha. And Elisha, knowing this and seeing this and understanding that this is what was going on in Gechazi, he said, okay, in that case, I don't have to tell him anything. He's already on the right path. He's doing tshuva. And he's, he's, he's repenting. 
But he said what actually happened then was the opposite. Gechazi then said, hey, Elisha didn't even tell me anything. He doesn't seem to have noticed. Hey, maybe he is not such a Navi. He, could, he doesn't even know what's going on with me. And that caused him to actually lose respect for Elisha. And at that point when he left, he started to mock Elisha, and then it got worse, and he called Elisha by his first name, and he prevented Talmidim from coming. And at that, when he finally had the story of Naaman, when he lied, and he thought he could fool the Navi, and he lied to his face, that's when Elisha realized how far this has gone, that he has lost total respect, he is absolutely not repentant at all, and has no, not, no, not embarrassed by what he's doing. So at that point, Elisha said, that's it, you can't be here anymore, and he cast him out. So the, the Rebbe Rabunim said that this young, this young man, when he came to greet me, I saw that he had just done something terrible. He had just done a big error, And he was very embarrassed and very scared and very nervous that I'm going to be able to see it and be able to tell. And I was able to tell. And he was very embarrassed of it and he was very repentant. So I didn't tell him anything. So taking the same approach, I didn't tell him anything. And he had the same reaction that Gechazi did. He said, ah, he's not such a rabbi, he doesn't really, can't really see anything. And that's why he had the chutzpah to interrupt the middle of the shir. It had nothing to do with the fact that he, uh, that's what he was used to. He knew that that's not what we do over here. He just lost respect for me. So he can't be here in this shir anymore. We have, to, we have to send him away. And this is a very powerful um, insight and understanding of what happened over here to Gechazi. And it's just a demonstration of the power of not being, it all began from such a tiny little thing, the way the Mepharshim explained. It began because he didn't make an, uh, an appropriate getter for himself. It began when he spoke to the Shunamas a little bit too much, a little, got a little too close to her, and was, overstepped the boundary of Tznius and of, of Kedusha, what was, that was appropriate for him as a Talmud of Elisha. And that led to this other event of Aigish Lahatva, he pushed her in an inappropriate way. And it wasn't, he didn't fall off the cliff yet at that point. And Gechazi made a, I mean, Elisha made a call and decided to not rebuke him publicly. Was he right? Was he wrong? Chazal don't say. So clearly it's not something that's right one way or another. It's, sometimes it's right to rebuke, sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes you have to let the person do it on their own. So Elisha made a decision not to rebuke him, and it had the opposite effect on him. And his sin, which started out with just, just overstepping a getter of Kedusha, which then turned into Aigash Lahadfa, he pushed her, then turned into the sin enveloped him and made him lose his faith in Elisha, lose his Amunah and, and, and his Rebbe, lose his respect for his Rebbe, and as a result of the loss of his respect for his Rebbe, he became a Chaytei and Machtei, eventually lied to his face, and was totally cast out. And it's just fascinating to see how the trajectory of how this works. And what's even more fascinating is the Meshachachma says, that the Isha Shunamis was actually doing the exact opposite at the same time. Meaning, he makes a very interesting observation. He says that when Elio also revived the dead boy, they both did it, Elio did it and Elisha did it. When Elio revived the dead boy, it says that Hashem listened to Elio's tefillahs and he brought the boy back to life. By Elisha, it says he davened and he lied on the boy and the boy came back to life. It doesn't say he listened to his tefillah. The Meshach Hachma says that the boy came back to life not because of Elisha's tefillahs, because of her amuna, because of her trust and her belief in Elisha, that's why the boy came back to life. And the Meshach Achma says that when the Shunamis came to um, Elisha, at that point her trust was being shaken, was being 
challenge, right? She said, Al see, you had promised me a child, and effectively you lied to me. My child died. So her, 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 her amuna was in the process of being shaken to its core. And then Elisha says, Hashem hid this from me. I didn't even know this was going on. Why did that happen? The Master Hoffman said this was a further test for the faith of the Shunamis. Look, he didn't even know what happened. He says it doesn't seem to be on the level of a Navi. And yet, she doesn't give up. Uh, she swears, I'm not going to leave you. She does not give up her faith and her trust in a Navi and Anisha Kim. So at the exact same moment, this was fascinating, at the exact same moment when, when Gechazi lost his faith, the opposite happened with the Isha Shunamis. She strengthened her faith. And that strengthening of her faith was what actually was the schus that brought this child back to life. That was the schus. It was the difference between someone that was started out with a mitzvah, a mitzvah Guerrero's mitzvah. She started out by being Mechabed the Navi, Ish Kaddish, Ish Kim, and she was Zechut to a child and Zechut to Tchir Samesim as a result. And Gechazi was the opposite. He started out with a small overstepping of a boundary in, in Kedusha, and as a result, it came to an Avera, and that Avera caused him to lose faith in his Rebbe, and that caused him to totally fall off the, the, the level. Now, the last point, which is a very, very important point, is uh, the last Gemara over here. <clears throat> the Gemara has, does rebuke... Um, the Gemara does rebuke Elisha. It has, it does have an issue with Elisha. The very last Gemara says, Tanur also in Sanhedrin, Tanur Abanan, La'olam mikareves. Whenever you do have to give rebuke, whenever you have to push someone away, push someone away with your left hand, in other words, your weaker hand. Don't push them away so far. V'yamin mikareves, and you should bring them closer with your stronger hand, with your right hand. Don't do like Elisha did, who pushed away Gechazi with two hands. And, um, before I should explain, what does this mean? That he, how, where, how, where do you see he pushed him away with two hands? He, he explained, because he made him a Metzairah. A Metzairah means that he could not be in the presence of Elisha anymore. He couldn't be in the presence of anybody. So he closed, effectively shut the door. He pushed him away in a way that didn't make, didn't make it possible for him to come back. So he had no way to, to recover. He had no way to regain and to rebuild that relationship. He had no way to become better, to do tshuva. And pushing him in that way, where, where you cut off connection and you just didn't allow any, any place, any open door anymore, is what caused Gechazi then to fully lose hope and lose any chance of doing tshuva. Whereas when, therefore, when Elisha tried to bring him back, he was not successful. Chazal attributed to this, that he was pushed him away with two hands. And this is a very, very powerful message that even though Gechazi was a terrible influence, he was a terrible influence, right? He was causing people to stop learning. He was causing people to disrespect Elisha. He was a terrible influence. He had to go. But the door should have been left open. The door should have been left open to give him an opportunity to come back, pushing away someone, even when he has to be pushed away, has to be pushed away in a way where you still leave the door open and you leave the ability for the person to come back and rectify himself. Otherwise, pushing him away will totally effectively destroy him.